Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Archbishop-elect Giovanni Robinson, Sr., and I am the co-presiding primate of North America for the Worldwide Anglican Episcopal Communion and Ecumenical Ministries. I want to say thank you for joining me this afternoon. Uh, <clears throat> it's been a while since I've uh, been on uh, social media and this platform. But I wanted to share something that I believe, you know, that the Lord has given to me, you know, in regards to the church. Uh, obviously, you know, we've I've been going through a pandemic and the church has been going through a shifting and a sifting. Uh, it doesn't take, you know, uh, uh, a myriad of prophets to be able to see this portion of it. But I do believe that it does take uh, it does take prayer and deep concentration in prayer to figure out what the Lord is trying to say to us during this pandemic and what he has been saying to us and is saying to us uh, uh, in this pandemic because it's, we're, not out of the, we're not out of the woods per se yet. But before we do that, let us, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, first of all, thank you for waking me up and those under the sound of my voice. Lord God, you gave us an opportunity today to be able to worship you and to be able to give you thanks for this beautiful day. There's nothing that any one of us got under the sound of my voice have done to deserve to see this day. We deserve hell. That is our punishment for sin. But because of grace, because of your son, Jesus Christ, we're able, Lord God, to enter into eternity and into thy rest, to receive those things, Lord God, that you have for us, for all of us that love you. So for that, we say thank you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. My prayer, Lord God, is for people to receive salvation. My prayer, Lord God, is for revelation. My prayer, Lord God, is for unity. I ask these things in thy Son, in our Lord and Savior's name. Amen, amen, and amen. What I want to talk to you about is exclusive and inclusive being exclusive and being inclusive. I got saved in 1992-93, really near the end of 92, going into 93. And when I got saved, I was in Knoxville, Tennessee. I was living in the projects at that time called uh, Tabernacle uh, Apartments, which is uh, a low-income housing uh, apartment area there in Knoxville, Tennessee, in East Knoxville. Uh, at that time, I had dropped out of high school. I was uh, strung out on drugs. I had been shot. I had been stabbed, I had robbed, I had stole. I had done all these things. I had lived a very, uh, up until that point, a very uh, confused and dysfunctional life. I wasn't raised dysfunctional. I learned dysfunctionality uh, in the streets. I was raised in a very functional family. My mother and father were very educated. Uh, they both went to college and met in college, uh, actual, actually Knoxville College. Uh, that college has since then been uh, torn down or been, I think has now gone back through another accrediting process. I'm not sure if it's still standing. It's been so long ago. But there were six of us and we all, played and lived obviously together. I didn't play and live with the, uh, didn't play with a lot of other children other than my brothers and my sisters. So I didn't, I didn't receive anything else other than uh, the nurturing for my own family. But when my father passed away in uh, 1982 is when I started going out in the streets and learning how to do all those things that I should not have done. It's the things I had mentioned uh, 
uh, to you earlier. Well, one day in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, how while I was doing drugs, give me this testimonial here, and it leads up to this inclusive versus exclusive. While I was doing drugs, uh, something came on TV. And at the time, it was a 700th club. And <clears throat> I don't remember what it was, but I remember that it was just enough, just enough for it to break my uh, concentration on what I was doing and to give me a moment of clarity. I stopped what I was doing because I felt like my high was, was blown. You know, when you're doing the wrong thing, you don't want to see the right thing or hear the right thing. So I got up, I went to go give, uh, go get my son's mother up. I had two, two boys uh, to go take me down to another set of projects so I could go get some more drugs. Well, on the way to uh, getting her to get up, to go take me to another set of projects, I seen something that, and, and I had a glimpse of something that I didn't want to see, and that was myself. I seen my true self. And as I walked to the bedroom, instead of getting her up, I kneeled down at the bed and I was crying. She was fast asleep, she didn't hear me, but I was crying. And all I could remember was something that my grandmother had said, and it was the ASK acronym. Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall, shall be open unto you. You know the ask, A-S-K. So that's all I could remember. So I said it, I said, okay, Lord, I'm asking. I'm asking for your help. And I said, I'm in this prayer, Lord, I'm seeking, I'm seeking you. And I'm knocking on the door. I don't wanna be this person that I am. I'm just tired. I wanted hope. So I ate snot that night, got a headache, woke up the next day. It was a Saturday. I remember that because I said, okay, well, I've done, uh, I've gotten it all out of my system. I should be good enough now to go and start all over again, right? But my son's mother was like, hey, look, either you get up and get yourself together or you get out. She had had enough as well. So I said, well, let me go find something to wear to church. I'll go there and get this pamphlet and that'd be enough and I'll come back home and that should be good enough at least a couple of months, you know, to get her off my back. Well, I ended up bar borrowing a uh, soup jacket, not this one, but a soup jacket. And uh, there's a church up the hill from where our, uh, the projects where we stayed at. So uh, I walked to church or to that church uh, that Sunday morning Went in, sat down, listened to the message, and it was a woman preaching or ministering. And uh, she was a bishop. Her name was uh, Bishop Bobby Jean Moore. And the name of the church is True House of God. That's at 3100 Wimpole Avenue, Knoxville, Tennessee, Pilling Ground of the Truth. We used to always say that. And <clears throat> I listened to the message. And all throughout the message, all I kept hearing was, Hope. Hope. I didn't hear anything else. I just heard hope. Didn't hear Jesus Christ. Not that she didn't minister and didn't preach it. But his name was hope to me. His name was hope. I've heard people, you know, refer to him as the son of God. Jesus. Yeshua, bright and morning star, Emmanuel. I've heard a lot of names and I can go on and on, but what I heard was hope. His name to me was hope. At the end of that message, it felt like she was talking to me. She was saying in the message that you don't have to be that person that you are that you can get off of this racetrack, this rat race, and that you can start over, that you can have a brand new life. That's what I heard, and that I could have hope. So I asked the lady that was sitting beside me when they gave the altar call, she did, 
and she would walk down to the altar with me, you know, because I didn't know, I was scared. And uh, she had told me, she said, no, 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 babe, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. there's not enough people down there yet, you know, wait, wait a minute, let's wait till some more people get down there and then we'll go down there. So I looked, I moved my arm, you know, from her and I got up and I walked by myself. And I said to myself, if I don't do this now, it's not gonna happen. So I walked down and I told her and I asked, I wanted this hope. I don't want to be the person that I am. Well, it's a holiness church, a Pentecostal holiness church. <clears throat> so I was raised in Pentecostal holiness at the beginning. And if you've ever been to a Pentecostal church or holiness church, you know, we, you know, they're anointed. I say we because, you know, they're still my roots. They're anointed. There's oil everywhere and you're sliding around and you're calling on the name of the Lord, right? <clears throat> so they anointed me. They prayed over me and uh, they laid hands on me. I kept calling on the name of the Lord. I just, what I remember, I just kept calling on his name, calling Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I kept calling on the name of the Lord. And, and as they say, with those stammering lips, you know, uh, that's what came next, what I remember. And from there, I, I, it felt to me, it felt to me like this was a process. I did receive salvation because I received it. I received, that's what I said in my prayer, for people to receive salvation. Not that they get saved, you have to receive salvation. Christ came and died for the world once. There's not another process. So salvation is there. We just have to receive it. So I prayed for, uh, I prayed to the Lord and I accepted what she was saying in regards to Christ, about him being my Lord and my Savior. I repented of my sins. And I said, Lord, I don't want to be the person that I am, but I needed help. And I wanted hope. So I believed in everything she said. So I asked her after that, I said, man, what do I do next? And she said, well, you need to come to Bible study on Wednesday. So I went home. Nothing around me changed. I know the title of this is inclusive versus exclusive, but this leads up until that. Nothing around me changed when I went home. Lived in the same projects, went through the same hallways with the same people sitting there. It was just my perspective that changed. That was it. Now, I had a glimmer of hope. But before, all I had was despair. Walked right back into the same apartment, sat on the same couch that I was doing drugs on just two days before. But now things were different. Now there was hope. And I brought hope home. So Wednesday came, I went to Bible study. After Bible study, <clears throat> I got up and asked the bishop. I said, ma'am, what do I do next? And she said, you need to get you a mentor in the church and you need to stay with him. So I found me a male mentor. <clears throat> His name was uh, Deacon Tate, <clears throat> Derek Tate. He was a father to me, father to me. And I stayed with him. I became a deacon in the church. Uh, that same year or the year thereafter, I became a deacon in the church. And I did everything in the church that they asked and required of me to do, everything. I drove the bus and taught Sunday school. I was a worship leader for a while, long time there. As a deacon, you know, we're worship leaders in holiness churches. And I went with the bishop to the radio broadcast because she had a radio broadcast, which was called the God's Gospel Hour, which was on uh, at Saturdays at eight o'clock. I think it was yeah, eight until nine. But it was, uh, it was really good. It was about 30 minutes, 30 minutes or an hour. I forget, it's been so long ago. But I would pray for the individuals um, as they called into the radio broadcast. Uh, sometimes she would get me to talk on the air to them from a young person's perspective. And at that time in 93, 92 and 93, I was 23 years old. <clears throat> but uh, I gave it my all. I did everything that she asked me to do and everything that the church uh, and the leadership there asked me for me to do. I did it. And I kept running because I was running towards hope. I knew Christ differently. Christ is not the same to me now as he was to me in 1992 and 93 when I first got saved. Not the same. 
He's changed. Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. He, he is, meaning that his love doesn't change. But my perspective on him changed. He became something different to me. He changed from hope throughout my tenure. At one point in time, being a healer, he became a healer. He gave me hope and restored hope in me. Now, he was becoming a healer to me. Went through a state where I lost my eyesight. After that, he became a mind regulator. He went from hope to being a healer, to being a mind regulator, to going through all of that. I lost my son. And that was a tough time for me. Tough time. I didn't think I was going to make it through it. But then he became a restorer. So the Lord isn't the same to me today as he was uh, over 27 or around 27, a little bit over 27 years ago. I kept the faith. Where there's some times when I ebbed and flowed, not in my faith, but in my walk. There's a, a Dr. Eloise Miller, and she used to always say, you know, when people talk about backsliding, she said, well, that's good. Stop sliding back and slide forward. So during my 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 tenure through all throughout all of this, you know, did I do some backsliding? Yes, I did. And that's a message for another time. You know, and that's a no cross, or no crown rather, without a cross. But I slid forward, you know. <clears throat> so there were some times of ebbing and flowing, but I didn't lose my faith. I didn't lose my faith at all in the Lord. Never, never lost my faith. I always, always kept my faith in the Lord. But <clears throat> getting to the message uh, now about the inclusive and the exclusive, I found it to be prevalent to be able to explain or to give you some, some, some context or a limit of content to this context about what we're going to be talking about. Because I wanted to make sure that you understood from my perspective, what, what makes me, me? What makes me, me? When I was going through those times of drugs and alcohol and I got saved, uh, and I told you about the portion of it, I, I felt like I was exclusive. I didn't feel inclusive. I told you about my upbringing, to give some, you know, some, substance to this because I didn't play with other children. We only played with each other. So to other people externally, I was exclusive to them. I was not inclusive. But with us, within my family, my mother and my father kept us that way. We did not play with other kids. I did not spend the night with other children over to their homes, nor did they spend the night over to ours. We're very sheltered in that sense. A very biblical family, you know, upbringing. We just did not play with other, other children. It didn't happen like that for us. But I always felt excluded. I always felt like I was the odd one out. When it came to school, because I was so exclusive, I, I didn't socialize well with other, with other kids. I didn't do that, and like I said, or as, you told, as I told you in my testimony, until I was a little bit older. Growing up, I was very sheltered. And I, I didn't like it. I wanted to be like other kids. There's something about being in the minority. Everybody wants to be in the vast majority. Not too many people want to be in the minority. They want to be like other kids. They want to do the things other everyone else is doing. They want to you know, have the same shoes and the same clothes and so forth. They're, they're not thinking about you know, what's morally right or not. They just want to be inclusive. Christ came to be inclusive. God in the beginning was exclusive because the gospel came to who first? The Jews, and then as we know later on, to the Gentiles. 
but God was inclusive or exclusive, inclusive in the sense of the Jewish nation, but exclusive in regards to uh, everyone else. They could not be a part of this promise because it was only to Abraham, even though Abraham did not understand what God really meant because that promise was also for me, a Gentile, but now a spiritual Jew. I am the one that has been now grafted in to this branch. But Abraham, into his seed, they were Hebrews. They were the, the promised nation. But Christ came and made it inclusive for everyone. What, when the gospel went forth, after the passing of Jesus Christ, God told, the Lord told uh, the apostles to go out and to spread the gospels all the way throughout, throughout the whole world. But the known world for them was very small. They didn't think of America because there was no such thing at that time. And China and all these other different countries and, and continents, and they were named differently. But to go out and to spread the, the gospel to the four corners of the world, in doing that, the apostles and through those individuals that they uh, uh, had commissioned to continue to go out and spread the gospel, certain ones of them had only spread the gospel to just the Jews in the Jewish nation and to bring them into this knowledge of the truth and to share the mystery of the gospel to them, to let them know that now this mystery that was hidden is now being revealed in Christ. There was only a select few, Paul being the first one of those uh, selected to bring it to the Gentiles. The apostles were exclusive. They were not inclusive. They became inclusive when Paul started to preach to the Gentiles and they became saved. They accepted salvation. They accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior and what he had done for them. This good news that now God has reconciled man back into himself through Jesus Christ. And they received the Holy Spirit because of it. This is something that they witnessed. And this is something that Peter also witnessed when he went to Cornelius and he received the Holy Spirit and was baptized. He baptized and then the Holy Spirit. And God started to show him as well that I came and I saved the world. People just have to receive salvation. Receive it. It's there. So in this reception of salvation, now they were, as I said before about me, and the spiritual Jew and all of us are now grafted in. They are now inclusive. What has been laid on my heart is that we've made the gospel exclusive and not inclusive. We've made the gospel exclusive. So where it's so hard now for people to be saved, that's not the intent. That was never Christ's intent. Remember when he went to the Samaritan? The woman at the well? They didn't talk to Jews, I mean to, to them. And the Jews had no dealings with them, nor did the Samaritans have any dealings with them. They considered them not to be full Jews because they were of mixed race. So they were exclusive. But Christ came to graft them in as well. He said, I have other sheep that are not of this what? Fold. I have other people that the gospel is intended for. The Father loves us all, not just a portion of us, but the promise came to one person and through him, all of us have been once again, using that vernacular grafted in 
We've all become inclusive. But if you listen now sometimes, and I'm, I'm saddened because they make people, ministers, pastors, preachers, bishops, archbishops, have made the gospel exclusive. You can only come to their church or be a part of their organizations or, or be a part of the, 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 the club, so to speak, as if you, you, you're, you, you are a certain way and that if you meet a certain standard, you know the only standard I met was a broken heart. I had a broken heart. I had a broken spirit. That was the standard I met when I came to Christ. Do you have to have a broken heart? No. A humble spirit, a willingness? Yes. How are you gonna to come to the Lord with pride? God can't use you if you have pride. I tell you something that my bishop told me long ago. The only way for you to make it into heaven is on your knees. You gotta be humble. You gotta be humble. When I got saved, I was humble. I didn't have to meet any other standard other than being humble. I had a broken heart. I wanted hope. And I was willing to receive it from Jesus Christ. I didn't have to drink from a chalice. I did not take, and hear me out, I didn't take the Eucharist when I got saved. At that moment, did I have any understanding of it? No. What I'm saying is this, is that they didn't make salvation so far, so, so overreaching. It was simple. Repent. Do you believe that you made a mess of your life? Yes, because the Holy Spirit drew me and he was talking to me. Do you receive me, what I've done for you? Will you allow me to change your life? Will you live in me? Don't try to do it yourself. Allow me to help you do it. Will you be a vessel? Will you take me to certain places within you? We allow me to use you to tell other people about what you went through. So now you can be hope to them. Yes, Lord. I understood it simply. I wanted to change. I sat down, I listened to the woman of God. And I did what she asked me to do. The other thing I was told was to pick my Bible up and read it for myself. Pick your Bible up, read it for yourself. Ask the Lord for an understanding of his word. Do you think that the Lord won't give it to you? Do you think if you ask the Lord Almighty, to give you an understanding of his word, that he won't do that? Some things God wanted me to marinate over. I didn't understand everything, the King James Version, because of the way it read. But it was the journey. It was not the end result. It was the journey. It's those things that you're seeing along the way. You know you're gonna to get to your destination but it's along the way, it's those things, it's those rest stops. It's those, it's those snapshots of everything as, as you're driving by. It's the camaraderie that you're having. Those are the, 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 the little things. 
That's how you gain the understanding in God's word. That's how I gained the understanding of it. <clears throat> Paul says we see through a glass dimly. Now, here it is, an individual that wrote a lot of the epistles uh, in the New Testament. And he's seen dimly, meaning that he didn't see it all. So if someone who wrote a large portion of the New Testament said he didn't see it all, then who are you? You don't know it all. You have your own understanding of what you believe. I'm not saying it's right and I'm not saying it's wrong. What I am saying is that you cannot see it all. We thank God for the knowledge that he has given us and we pray that that information that he's given us is sound. Is it loving? Is it inclusive? Christ was never exclusive. He was inclusive. He was exclusive to sin, but he was inclusive to the sinner. Never was he exclusive, exclusive to sinners. He was inclusive to them. He was only exclusive to sin. That is the way that we should be. We forget that. We harp on an image. We harp on the individual. We make salvation exclusive. It was never intended to be that way, saints. Bishops, pastors, it was never intended to be that way. We have to be inclusive. I was saddened and a little dis disheartened uh, today, which is the reason I came with this, this message, because this is what I see in the church now. And this isn't the way that the Lord had intended for the church to, to be steered towards. Christ gave us a, a huge responsibility. Archbishop uh, Christine Johnson, our uh, <coughs> co-presiding prelate for our communion said it uh, to me and a couple of other uh, Archbishop-elect, that this responsibility is, is very heavy, very heavy. And I'm starting to understand now what she meant. God left us, the Lord left us a huge responsibility of the church, of being leaders in his church, governing his people. But the only way to truly govern his people it's with God's guidance, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We don't, we don't spend enough time in prayer and in diving into his word and getting an understanding of it. There is nothing wrong with us getting together and us coming up with a sound, biblical, anointed, spirit-led way of doing things within the church that has been proven. However, some things now have become man-driven. They've become exclusive. They've become a means of control. And that's not what the church was intended to be, a means of control. If someone doesn't meet a standard, then they're gone. They're done, they're casted out without redemption. Do they not get a chance of redemption? Yes, there are some things that Paul has even said that we turned them over and God has turned them over to a reprobated mind. But think, saints, how far that person must have gotten for God to turn them over to a reprobated mind. God didn't turn you over to a reprobated mind and look how many times you've sinned. 
God didn't turn me over to a reprobated mind, and I sinned a lot. After I got saved, he still didn't turn me over to a reprobated mind. If the Lord has turned you over, or turned an individual over, rather, to a reprobated mind, they've gotten to a point where they're not going to hear the truth. And the Lord turns them over to that. Let love abound. Let love abound. I'm not talking about a strong rebuke. I'm not talking about how we used to do it in the, in the church when I was coming up. You got sat down. You sit down. But you give them an opportunity to get back up, to redeem themselves. And you love them through the process. They were never excluded. They were always included. Excluded from doing certain things within the church included in the body of the church. We don't kick a lamb out of the pasture, do we? We might segregate that lamb so that way he can't infect or she can't infect the other herd, you know, with maybe uh, uh, with whatever sickness or illness that they're going through in this sense with something spiritual. So yes, do that, but give them an opportunity to heal. Once they've been healed, integrate them back. So they can get that love and get that camaraderie with being around the other sheep and, and feeling like they're now inclusive. Heaven is about being inclusive, not exclusive. It is exclusive to sin, which means we exclusive in the sense with that. No, we 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 don't we don't include that. We're exclusive to just doing the right thing. So I know when I've said that throughout this message here, this is what I mean, or this is what I'm referring to exclusive or inclusive to, to doing the right things, inclusive to, to, to the Lord, inclusive to, to love, exclusive to sin. God in heaven is inclusive to love. It's inclusive to those individuals who have accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, it's exclusive for them. It's inclusive in this manner to those individuals who have made a choice that for you I live and for you I'll die. It's also exclusive to sin. Sin can't reign there. It can't live there. It can't be there. It's exclusive to sinners, people that practice sin, that passage that people use incorrectly, where Paul says, all have sin and come short of the glory of God. All have, have, it's past tense. Not all sin or all are sinners. Some, uh, there's a passage that says that, oh, not a passage, but people have used this phrase saying, I am a sinner saved by, we all are sinners saved by grace, or I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's not in the Bible. That is not a Bible passage. That is from a, a song, and that's not true. We're not all sinners. Sinners are people that practice sin. We do not practice sin. Have we sinned? Yes, but we do not practice sin. We have the power over sin. I do not go out and practice sin on a daily basis with anything. Have I sinned? Yes, I do not practice sin. So there's a difference. Inclusive versus exclusive. Stop making the gospel exclusive to people. It needs to be inclusive. The gospel is inclusive. The Lord Jesus accepts us all. He doesn't accept your sin. So that's what's exclusive, sin. 
but it's inclusive, inclusive to the sinners. The church needs to be inclusive, not exclusive. It needs to be inclusive for the sinners. That's where it's, that's what it's for. That's where they're supposed to, where else are they supposed to go? That's the hospital. We're turning them away just like a regular hospital because they don't have the right insurance, because they don't look the right way, because they don't have the right uh, uh, sin. And what I mean by that, because their sin isn't hidden. Some of their sins, they carry in with them physically. Might be cross-dressers or, or drunk, smelling like alcohol, or smelling like uh, marijuana. Not the ones that hide their sin, looking at pornography or, or that are cheating on their husbands and wives. They do their sins in the dark. The church should be inclusive. Inside of the church, there should be positions that are exclusive if they're still practicing sin. Some of those positions, leadership positions, should not be inclusive to them. Once they've been trained and and they're, they're spiritually mature and they're moving forward in the Lord and you, we prayed over them, they've been anointed and they've went through this process and now they've shown you know, the faith and the maturity once again to be able to soundly instruct others. Now that position or those leadership positions in the church should be inclusive to them. But if not, then it still remains exclusive. In regards to fellowshipping with other churches, in regards to the acceptance of each other, it needs to be inclusive. Everyone should be able to play together. How are we going to sit in heaven and hold hands? And we can't do that here. In my area, there are churches that are maybe, maybe within a three uh, I won't even say three miles. Wow, Lord. Within a mile, within a mile, there are about five churches. None of those churches, none of them fellowship with each other. None of them. He said they wouldn't speak to them. As far as coming together, not going to happen. Not going to happen. I have no earthly reason why. But we're going to get to heaven and we're going to hold hands there. But we can't even speak here. Some of that is because, yes, people have made other pastors or other individuals or leaders to feel like they are exclusive, that they're not inclusive. They're exclusive. They're in a... a, a that the circle in which they're in is exclusive, and that they have been uh, exclusive, <clears throat> or they're not inclusive to this group that is exclusive. So that way, if you can follow me. And that's a shame. That's why my heart is saddened. This inclusive and exclusiveness, more exclusive than anything else. I'm, I'm getting, it's, it's, it's overwhelming, and that's not the intent. We should all be able to fellowship together, to learn from one another. They do things a little bit differently than the way I do things. Well, that's, that's an interesting way. Yes, there are some things we need to back away from and say, okay, well, this isn't for me. You know, they're killing goats on the altar or hanging from chandeliers and eating snakes, whatever the case may be, yes, then that is not uh, of our faith. That's not the way that we believe and that we practice because that's, that's not in accordance with the Lord. So things that are blatant in that sense, but because someone doesn't perform the Eucharist, let's go with that one, and there's a, there's a big topic of discussion in a certain manner as another uh, belief or another uh, uh, another church 
fellowship or communion does. And now they're excluded. They're not included. It wasn't meant to be that way. I don't care what anyone says. I can prove that. But before I give you that proof, let me go ahead and tap this nail on the head one more time. Because that's a big source of contention with a lot of beliefs. Because a certain person doesn't hold the Eucharist or doesn't perform the Eucharist or because uh, they don't, everyone doesn't use uh, uh, the same beverage during the Eucharist or because they don't use the same uh, instruments at the Eucharist or because they don't perform the same ritual at the Eucharist, then they are excluded. They're not included. Then they're frowned upon. Then the way that they're holding the Eucharist or communion or the Lord's Supper is not in accordance with the word of God. Now, let me give you this proof about proof about being inclusive. That is not the way, and that is definitely not the way the Lord wanted us to be at his, I'm not talking about your Eucharist, but at his communion, at our blessed Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's communion. It was inclusive. It was not exclusive, it was inclusive. Are you sure, Archbishop? I'm positive. Wasn't Judas there? Did the Lord exclude him? Did he not tell him he knew what he was going to do? Did he not still wash his feet? and serve him. Judas excluded himself. Our Lord did not exclude him. He included him. The Lord's Supper should be inclusive. When Paul was talking about the Lord's Supper and people taking it unworthily, he was talking about the manner in which they were taking the Lord's Supper. Some of them were taking it and they were not holding it in, in a place of reverence. Remembering the Lord. What they were doing was they were hungry. They were taking as if it was as if you're eating crackers or if you're 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 just drinking a drink because you're 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 famished from what you're doing throughout the day. They didn't have, they, did, they, didn't, they didn't reverence, once again. They didn't hold it in high esteem. It wasn't meant to be exclusive. Taking the Lord's Supper unworthily. None of us are worthy to take the Lord's Supper. We're made worthy because of Christ. That's the reason of this. That's the reason he had it. I want to sit down with you. I'm getting ready to leave. And I want to have this meal with you. And I want to let you know that I will still be with you all. When you sit down together and you have your meal, remember that this is me. This is what I've done. This is what I've done for you. When you drink of this cup, remember that my blood was shed for you for the remission of sin. Remember these things. Not to exclude everyone else from it, but we're doing it to allow them to know that Christ died for you. None of us was worthy None of us are worthy to receive the Lord's Supper, to receive communion, to receive the Eucharist. 
That's what it means, Eucharist, Thanksgiving. We're thankful. We're thankful. We're thankful for the Lord making us worthy. Now, should a person come in and take the, the Eucharist as drunk and, and, and high? No, now they're taking it unworthy. But for an individual to come off who's just got to this church or who's come there because of the drawing of the Holy Spirit, and now they're made to feel like they're not worthy to take this for whatever the reason is because they have sin in their life, were all of the apostles sinless when they took communion with the Lord? Did not the Lord tell Peter after the communion what he was going to do? What I'm saying to you is this. Stop making the church exclusive. Make it inclusive, please. There's many, many, many things that within the church or external to it that we should be exclusive about. But in regards to the reception of people, we should be inclusive. Saints, once again, I just wanted to come on here. It's been a while to share something with you that the Lord has laid on my heart, inclusive versus being exclusive. Once again, this is Archbishop-elect Giovanni Robinson, Sr. Thank you for listening. Thank you.